Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. Everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here today with Karen Kingsbury. And I have to tell you, I love this woman. I not only love her books, and I've loved, like, I think she has at least 25 of them, many of them on the bestseller list. She's a New York Times number one bestselling novelist, and she is an inspirational storyteller. And if you haven't read one of your books and you need to be uplifted, you need to be elevated, you need to be swept away like her new book to Paris and have this amazing adventure and walk away feeling better than you did before you read it. There's very few books out there, Karen, that I can say without a doubt, if I hand you this book and you read it, you will be a better person after reading it than before. You change lives and you have the most beautiful book cover. You guys, you have to check it out wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Walmart, Indie Books, you name it. You can find it, Forgiving Paris. It has a beautiful red umbrella on the cover and it just speaks volumes. So Karen Kingsbury, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. You are so kind. And I agree. I did not have anything to do with the cover, but I was the first one to cheer for it. <laughs> it's great. It is. It's beautiful. And the story is beautiful. You know, how, where do you get these ideas? I mean, you have, you've got, um, uh, you've got things in development at Hallmark. You've got things in development with, you know, the Baxter family series. I mean, where is, is this divine what you're doing? <laughs> It is. I mean, really, if I mean, God like multiplies the hours. I don't know how else to say it. But I look back at the time of writing so many of the books that I've written and I was raising kids. My husband and I raised six kids and it was like, I look back and I don't even, I can't even picture myself writing. I can only picture myself parenting and loving on the kids and going to soccer games and theater and whatnot. So it's just the Lord. It is. And um, a book like Forgetting Paris is deep because it's a standalone. I don't want people to think they have to go back and read anything. I'll cover that for you, but it does involve a character that I wrote about 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. We knew that she'd had an affair with a married man, but we never went there. And now she's going back for an art show. She's an artist and she's having her anniversary with her amazing husband, but she is like terrified to go back and like God's forgiven her, but she's never really forgiven herself. So forgiving Paris takes us to a very, a very deep emotional adventure. Well, and I love that because we as women, especially, you know, if I look back to my twenties, Karen, you know, I didn't do anything terrible, horrible, awful in the grand scheme of today. But for me, some of the things I did were terrible, horrible, awful, and they disrespected myself. They disrespected my faith, like just a lot of things like that, that I think all women carry. 
It's true. I think we all have a Paris. I mean, I know I do. I know that we all have that thing we said or that we did that we wish we wouldn't have said or done. And we, we right. wish we could go back and change it. And, right, and um, we can't. Yeah. And we keep taking it back. Like we keep, it's like, we give it to God and we say, I'm so sorry. And forgive me and clean, give me a clean heart. He takes it. And then we say, no, I need it back because right. I'm not sure I'm worthy of to do anything or it. And we're not worthy. Of course he's worthy, but at the end of the day, like it's a forgiving Paris is something we all need to do. We all need to get to that place where we can say, not only am I going to forgive this thing, but maybe there was some beautiful redemption that came out of it that I had missed before. Absolutely. You know, and as we talk about forgiveness, that's a topic that's really important to me because I, I broke up our family. I divorced my ex-husband. Now, granted, he was already living with someone else. So, you know, I didn't, but there are a lot of women who were either, forced to break up their marriage like I was. I didn't want to file for a divorce. I didn't want to do any of these things, but it was untenable the way we were living and not good for my kids at all and not good for me. But there are women too that for whatever reason have made the decision. And I think the thing about forgiveness, Karen, is it's such a big umbrella. Like I look at your umbrella on the cover and You know, when I look at forgiving the big thing, like, you know, I felt I had no choice. So Sam, you got to forgive yourself. You got to be kind to yourself. You would do this to your friends. This is how you would treat your friend. But then there's all those little micro forgivenesses along the way. Like whenever my kids would go back and forth, they don't anymore. But for three years, they went back and forth between households. And every single time they did that, I heard in my head, you did this, you forced this. Your kids are ripped out of their house and having to go somewhere they don't want because you filed for divorce. Now that was kind of crazy thinking to be fair, but it's very mom thinking too. Mm -hmm. I created these little micro hardships and yes, we avoided the big macro hardship, you know, of raising kids going, why is dad living with another girl and you're still married? Like, you know, these are crazy, crazy situations, but very common, but it's the little micro things. And I think that's one of the things with your book, you know, to say you forgave an affair, it's like the high concept. That's the big one. But then there's all these little things. And that's where I think when you say give it back to God and then it comes back to you because you can forgive the big umbrella, but you can't forgive all the little raindrops in one fell swoop. Right. It really is that, um, you know, you, you have these things like you call them, you know, these micro sort of situations that happen. And it, it's almost like, I mean, the devil is a, is a tempter. We think of him as a tempter. Yeah, but he's the accuser as well. Right. So, you know, you're taking your children, you know, to go meet up with their father and you're and the devil's just like accusing, accusing, accusing. And that just, it just um, takes away from who God wants us to be in terms of the freedom there. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that's what takes time. It's like for, for Ashley in this book, you know, it is okay. The guy who she had the affair with was having affairs with lots of people and right. he was that kind of guy, but she wasn't that kind of girl. She was 19 and this was, and so like, whereas the Baxter family, you know, and I think over the years I've written about the Baxter family enough to say that no one among them is perfect. Sure. Just like us. Um, but I think for her, she came back thinking, I'm the one who did something terrible. I'm the one who was not like a Baxter. Right. I'm the one who didn't honor God and didn't honor my family. And those are the, the that's the accusation that keeps coming up yep. that she doesn't even want to go to Paris. It's like, I don't want to go face any of that. I don't want to walk the arrondissements and the bridges and see the river sin and, and the memories. You know, yes. All those memories. So, um, so yeah, so it, it was, it was really, really important for her to, her husband is the one that kind of encourages her at the end of the day, like, 
you need to do this and you need to look for, and this is a cool thing. This is okay. So in Mark chapter four, it talks about Jesus calming the storm. We, we read this in a couple of the gospels. Right. Jesus is asleep. Giant storm comes up. Disciples panic. Oh, help us. We're going to die. Jesus wakes up, calms the storm. The storm didn't wake him up. The disciples did. That's a pretty kind of cool point. Yeah. But in Mark four, it talks about there were other little boats on the sea that day too. So while they were going through their greatest storm, crying out to Jesus and he calmed it, he calmed the storm of others as well by that very act. And her husband tells her, when you go to Paris, look for the little boats, look for the other ones, the ways that God did something beautiful because of what you were going through or as you were going through that very thing. And that, that becomes a real beautiful thread in the story. It is a beautiful story. And it's, it's germane to all people, because I can't imagine anyone picking up this book and not having something in their life that they regret, or they are ashamed of that they've just tucked away. And, and even though everybody else forgot about it, or didn't know about it, whatever, it's there with you, like a like, an, like a like a unwelcome, like house guest that won't go away, yeah. like a bag of rocks. Yep. Just carry it along wherever you go and think, okay, I'll put the rocks down. And then now I got to pick it up again because I, you know, it connects then to any other thing that happens. If you, if, you know, you accidentally hurt someone's feelings, oh, well, I wouldn't have hurt their feelings if I wasn't this kind of a person. Right. And that's just, you know, it's like you can read a how-to book and that can maybe help you. But with a novel, you know, a story can come in through the back door of the heart. Yes. You know, and tears are pouring and you realize it's like, my goodness, I didn't, I didn't realize I needed healing even here, but this story, like I'm her and I'm finding the same beautiful pieces of, of, of flowers and beauty among the ashes of what was at that point. Right. Right. Now, did you find when you went back to write a story, you know, that was, was, you know, in this character's past that when you gave her this experience in your other books, did you ever in a million years think it might be a storyline you'd explore in the future? Like, did you plant it that way or did that, was that in your consciousness or it was just something that, you know, cause that's kind of a, you know, it, it's a cool thing, you know, like this Paris affair, you know, 19, you know, yeah. like, was that part of your, you know, as we get into NaNoWriMo, you know, was that part of the plotting that you did early on or, you know, how did that evolve? It really wasn't. In fact, when I wrote about Ashley, the first time was a book called Remember, and we realized that she's coming home pregnant, you know, with the child uh, from this affair. And we, I, I think I felt like I gave everyone as much as I was comfortable to write about at that point. Gotcha. Um, now that it's been 20 years since she was there. And I feel like the story has built and grown maybe as things that I, I've tried to let go of, you know, have built and grown in my own life. Maybe the reality is or the realization just that Ashley needed this trip back yeah. as much as maybe we all do need our trip back to Paris to be able to truly forgive it. So um, I, I thought to myself, well, I don't want to go graphically more graphic than I was before. And, you know, that's right. not necessary or gratuitous that way, but there was, I never saw Ashley happy in Paris at 19 and she got off that plane happy. She had, she had three pieces of art in her suitcase. She was going to work at a gallery and she was so happy. She had all of her life ahead of her. She was actually leaving her hometown in in Indiana because she had been the victim of a car accident and everyone who looked at her saw her as a victim and she just wanted to be free. So I think it was really special to, to see the good and to see how easily, like, 
you know, there, but for the grace of God, how easily you can fall into that situation that she was in. Easily. You know, I think that's one of the things with, you know, when I look at, 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 you know, stories, there's, there's like this catch 22, you know, if you include it in your story, are you like giving permission for these things? But the fact is these things happen all the time, always to women, you know, and that's why I love about your books are, are very women and very heart centered. And that's why I said, you know, you, you read your books and you're a different person when you come out the other end, because you go along this story, you have this experience and it does at least with me, it creates a compassion for not only myself, but for others. And I think that's one thing, Karen, I don't know about you, you know, I turned 50. So, you know, I'm kind of at the halfway mark, I think, who knows, but God willing. Um, As I get older, I get more compassion towards the folly of youth, I have more understanding, you know, where maybe in my 20, I might have given a side eye for some of these things. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even as a young parent go, Ooh, not my kids, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, that fallacy. But then you get to the point where, you know, I've got one in college, I've got one just about ready to drive. And I've been through a divorce, I've been through cancer. And you go, wow, that was really small yeah. in comparison to the big things in life. I could not agree more. I, I completely feel the same way that as you get older, I think it's just easier to forgive. It's easier to make that phone call and to accept grace. And it's like, you know, I mean, the petty little things just do not stack up the way they used to and love. And, and I could say grace, especially in our canceled culture, crazy times, it's like to read a story about forgiveness and to feel the washing presence of grace, you know, just grace, like let it go and move on. God has still great things for you. Yes. Yes. Well, and it's funny about, you know, you talked about like the devil, you know, and, and the way the, you know, like the negative thoughts come in, you know, when I was thinking about how you were talking about, you know, like letting the little things go, you know, I could have in that divorce scenario with my kids going back and forth, instead of feeling wrapped with guilt, with shame for picking the wrong person, you know, like a total negative, you know, pile on, how come we don't go you know what, San, you're teaching your kids resiliency. They're wonderful travelers today because they know how to pack and they know how to adjust to new households. And when my son went off to college, he's like, mom, it was a breeze. It was so much easier than going back and forth to mom and dad's. You know, he's like, that was such a, he goes, it was a hard time for me, but I learned a lot and I got really good skills. Like we don't do that to ourselves. No, we just, we just focus on everything that's negative. Well, see, Sandra, those have a little boats. Yeah. Those are the little boats in your story that while God was coming your situation and you were realizing it's not normal to have your husband living with another woman and you had to make (laughs) that decision and you were in the middle of the storm crying out to God and he calmed your sea, but he also gave them your children benefits too. And in forgiving Paris, that's one of the biggest points is it's not just learning how to let go, but it's like looking for the beautiful moments that you can be thankful for this side of that situation. Well, and you said something really important, like this side, like I can tell you, like when it first happened, I, I was just a mess. I was confused. I was hurt. I was angry. Then in the middle of all that, you know, there were a couple lawsuits, all these different things, you know, coming from that side. And it just felt like wave after wave was hitting me. And I just get up, get back on my feet and boom, another, you know, another wave would hit. And then 
by the grace of God, I get these radio shows, like literally Karen, the, the, the month that my ex-husband moved out was the same month that the um, people at the radio station were reading my blog. Cause I thought, you know, you go through all this, you're going to do a 30 day shape challenge and I'm going to have thinner thighs. Like, <laughs> you know, I look back and go, what were you thinking? Um, but when you right. look at all the, yeah, right. The gifts along the way. And now when I look back, I'm like, I'm so glad this happened. I'm so glad this happened. And at the time I wouldn't say, you know, anything was a gift, but I remember like after everything kind of resolved itself, there was a book called the gifts from the affair. And I'm thinking, what gifts can there be from mm -hmm. someone having an affair? Little did I know, you know, a couple of years later with hindsight, yeah, these were really big gifts. Yeah. It's all in the way you look at it, you know, and, and really the Lord wants us to be kids just to be children and just to let these things go with, um, with Ashley, there was a moment, I'll tell you about one moment without giving too much away where she has been sent by this artist that she had the affair with. She's been sent to have an abortion and she's pregnant. And it's not the first time somebody has been pregnant from this guy and uh, he knows where to send her and he knows how it's supposed to work out. And the person at the clinic knows how that's supposed to go down as well. And Ashley has this like panic attack kind of divine moment of like, I'm not doing this. I'm keeping this just not the child's fault. I'm not, I'm going to keep this child. And she willingly went into the affair. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, she, and she was, she's like, this is, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take the life of the child. So she gets up and she runs out. Well, there's another woman in there, a young, like a 19, 20 year old who's also pregnant by the same artist. She doesn't know this. This this other woman Mia watches Ashley run out of the uh, of the clinic, and she does the same thing. So now we're talking about a half sibling of her own son who's who's in college and you know a senior in college now, and this child who grew up and is is a you know beautiful med student now, and that girl wouldn't be alive if not for that moment. So again, she's getting a chance to see little like beautiful who would have ever thought right kind of moments that were the little boats on the on her particular sea that was in, having this massive storm that now are calm and are beautiful like the bible talks about beauty from ashes yeah not guilt from ashes let it go god says he forget not only forgives it he forgets it so let it go and turn your face to him step outside and look up like there's so much good there is so much good, you know, and one of the things that your character Ashley reminded me of is my mom was the product of an affair and that was, you know, in the forties, which was, Ooh, you know, when she was raised by a single mom, we're going to, Ooh, you know, we don't, we don't do these things and certainly not, you know, in the upper East coast in nice neighborhoods. And, um, and it was really interesting when you said that about the beauty from ashes and, my mom, my grandpa was like your character, your artist who impregnated all these women. And when my mom turned 70, she was raised her whole life as a single daughter. Her mom died when she was very young. And then just by the grace of God, I was dinking around on the computer and I found my mother's half brothers and sisters. And she turned out to be one of 12. And over a couple of years, like each sibling knew about one other sibling. 
And we were able to get them all together. My mom was 70 when I found this because I my boss made me stay late um, at Thanksgiving the night before. And I had to wait for this contract to come in. So I was really mad. So I got on my mom, my phone with my mom in New York and she started telling me about her family. And because I was in real estate, I could do all these searches. So I started searching, searching, searching. And I'm like, hey, I think I found your brother. Hey, I think I found this guy might be related to you. You know, and so my mom says, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to pick up the phone and call him. And I said, hi, is this Bob? And he said, yeah. And I said, I think I'm your niece. You know, it was just that fast, but she went, you know, that's a novel. (laughs) You got to write that one. That's my family story. Um, Wow. So she went from being one child to one of 12. And then when we got them all together, the family resemblance was remarkable. I have a cousin that looks dead ringer for me. But the one thing that was solved for all these children was that their dad was a jerk. They did nothing wrong. And they all felt the same way. So what a massive healing. And my mom died at 74. So she had four years to be part of a family, which to me is, you know, a wonderful thing, but, you know, we don't know what the gifts are and maybe the gift doesn't come till you're 70 years old. Right. And maybe not even the side of heaven, you know, where you don't know, I mean, whose, whose life you made an impact on. There were, there were several situations like that, actually, um, with Ashley and, and even something at one point she was actually in danger. She had a sense of that, but didn't really know and got to have some clarification on that as well, that there was this divine protection going on. So right when she thought God had abandoned her to her bad decisions, actually, he probably was never holding her more closely. That was, that was a time when he was making really beautiful things happen despite what her choices were loving her anyway. Right. And, you know, sometimes our choices feel right at the time or they feel wrong at the time and we go ahead and we do them anyway. And that I think is part of human nature. And I think that's what your book celebrates. It forgives and it, and it shows us that we can move on. You can forget, you can forgive, you can do all these things, but until you close it out, like that's what this was about. This was about closing out that chapter in her life. And I know maybe maybe there's some therapists out there that will disagree with me because I did all this forgiveness work. I really did Karen. I did everything. The therapist, the group home, the domestic violence people, I did everything they told me, but until I went back to that house and I closed out the memories. I sat out front, closed out the memories, then it was over. And I think we need these little rituals too on top of, and that's what your book showed me. The ritual, now this was a big ritual, you know, going to Paris is a big ritual. (laughs) But if you just need to go and drive to your old house where you were married and all these terrible things happened and it was hot, the whole house felt hot, like all this hot, because there was so much pain. And Mm -hmm. I just sat in the, across the street, like a creeper crying. And there's, I watched the kids come out, you know, the people that live there now, you know, mom gets them in the car, they're off and going. And I thought, what story do they have? But it really gave me closure going that stories has an ending. Oh, it's so beautiful. And there's a moment like that in Forgiving Paris where Ashley and her husband Landon, who's been nothing but supportive. I mean, he even says, I don't think we'd be together if you hadn't gone to Paris and that hadn't happened to you, because he looked her up because he heard she came home a single mom and he wanted to make sure she was okay. And he loved that little boy, you know, as his own and adopted him. So, you know, they, they go to the lock bridge, which 
you know, it's not technically legal to do this anymore, but people still do it and brought a little log sure. engraved with the words forgiving Paris. And they just had that moment of closure on that bridge and they turned the lock and put it right on the edge of the bridge and left it there as a, as a piece of closure. I can, I, I think that we miss those ceremony moments. We do. And they're so important. We do, you know, even with the, you know, like with COVID and not being able to have funerals and not be able like, and when my mom died, we couldn't bury her because the ground was frozen. So we had to wait to bury her till June. She died, you know, in, in November. So mm-hmm. to wait this like seven months was like this raw open wound. And when we don't have a closure to these things, we don't have a ceremony. If you, even if you write a letter to somebody that you never send, you know, you hear these things, but, but we don't do rituals anymore. We're too fast. You know, we send a text, not a letter, a ritual of a condolence card versus a text or a post on social media. Those rituals really help us process. Yeah. They settle us in. You know, we need it. We need those times. Like we're a very screen focused society. Understandably, there's a lot of good and bad things on the screen, whether it's our phone, our laptops, our, our television set, but the beauty we're missing outside of just go outside. And what is that thing? You know, and like you said, get real paper, write it in a journal. Maybe you throw the journal away. It doesn't matter, but it's still take that time to really grieve yeah. what, what happened in the past or what decision was made that, to you or for or you that you made. And then let it go and give it over so that you can step into what's next. And that's going to be a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Well, Karen Kingsbury, thank you for being my guest today. Her book is Forgiving Paris. You're going to want to check it out. Even just you guys go to Amazon right now and look it up and look at this cover. I will tell you, I see hundreds and hundreds of books every year from publishers. I get them by the box every month. And this is the most beautiful cover and you will love what's inside. So go ahead and get your copy. Karen has not provided anything for me today other than some signed copies to give to my military families down at the VA. So we want to thank you for that and publicly acknowledge your generosity. Karen Kingsbury for Giving Paris. We'll be back again next week. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Join us again. We've got something you won't want to miss. Motherhood Talk Radio is a production of Beck Multimedia.